Nourish My Soul is proud to present to you our next episode of Radical Thursdays, where our From the Ground Up alumni, Bella and Kenya, talk to young people around the world who utilize their passion to make this world a better place. And this week is no exception. I'm so glad you hung in there and waited for this next episode because this is a doozy. So I hope this is going to get some conversations started in your world and feel free to engage us in those conversations. We would love to have those with you. This is a really important topic and uh, especially, you know, it couldn't be more timely with this being um, Women's History Month and the week of International Women's Day. Um, so this week, Bella and Kenya are talking to Evelyn from Perspective, and the conversation is heavy, but it is so important, and um, I can't wait to share it with you. And as a matter of fact, the conversation that Bella and Kenya had with Evelyn was so good. They were really learning so much from her and having great conversations that the content ended up being about three hours long. And so like all of you know, I'm a nutritionist and I'm an executive director of a nonprofit. I am not by trade an editor. <laughs> so um, what we really wanted to do was not cut out the content to fit into our episode, but rather break it into two episodes so that you get to listen to all of that incredible content and start some conversations of your own around that. Um, but bear with me because, again, I am not an editor, so I tried to cut this in a place that made sense um, and that won't make it too choppy and that will allow you a little bit of a teaser to have you tune into the next episode. So um, I hope that it works for you and um, I can't wait to share it with you. It's actually really incredible. And like Kenya is going to explain to you, there are some triggers in this and this is not for young people. This this episode is not meant for young ears. So if you have young people around you, that doesn't mean you can't listen to it. You can pop in those headphones um, or you can wait till they are not around. Uh, this is adult content. So um, just be advised. Enjoy. Long time no talk. Welcome back to Radical Thursdays. This week was definitely worth the wait for sure. Um, this week, we met with Evelyn, who created the platform Perspective, where she addresses the patriarchy and all of its complexities. We dove into a myriad of topics, such as the evolution of patriarchy, how it is impacting young men and women today, as well as feminism and the importance of personal body appreciation. We just wanted to include a quick trigger warning as well. This episode entails sensitive conversations surrounding violence, sexual assault, and harassment, rape, self-harm, and eating disorders. We would also like to reiterate that our perspectives and opinions are ours and that they may change and grow as you'll see throughout this very episode today. Join us as we gain insight on how to navigate and identify the patriarchy today for better tomorrow. Welcome again. Um, we're so glad to have you here. And we would just love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you have studied, 
and what's your passion? Basically. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Evelyn, um, and I went to Cornell for undergrad. Um, I and then I got two master's degree from Harvard. Um, just graduated in May, last May, um, into a very interesting economy. Um, I am a feminist, um, uh, and by that I mean I am committed to being a decent human being um, and making sure that power is balanced out um, throughout, you know, through gender, through race, um, through abilities, different abilities. Um, and I've been committed to that effort uh, for as long as I know. Um, and I think the more I studied, um, the more I realized that I've been lied to um, by the world. Um, so that's kind of, that kind of, uh, we can go more into that um, as as we have this conversation, um, but um, just kind of undoing the deception that has been done unto me um, was kind of like the starting point of me being a feminist, me me starting to be a feminist. Um, so yeah, and I start. Um, I think I started Perspective um, TikTok account sometime in January. Um, and of 2021 yeah 2021 yeah nice. and it started gathering followers pretty quickly um and i've been um i've been very glad about that um uh, because um that means that more people are willing to listen to this um uh, to this kind of stuff uh, that used to make a lot of people really uncomfortable um just a mere five years ago um so i don't know if that's the impact of donald trump um or me too, um, but certainly I've been very glad to see um, how my account has been doing. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, so I am the one, <laughs> Kenny doesn't really go on TikTok a lot. I know because she doesn't answer my, all the videos I sent her. But um, so I, you came up on my For You page, gosh, probably a week or two ago and I said, it to Kenya via text this time because that's the only way I'll get to her to see like the more important TikToks I find. Um, and so I started going through your videos and like we're both, we're 19, um, 18 for Kenya. She's a baby, but um, <laughs> um, so we're young. Obviously we don't have a crazy amount of life experience. We are women. So we kind of experienced kind of the impact of the patriarchy and, and, you know, gender norms daily, but at a more basic level of not understanding the full complexities entirely yet. Mm -hmm. And so you'll hear for everyone listening throughout this podcast, um, our perspectives may be completely different from people's perspectives that are like much older than us and have experienced more. And that's totally fine. Perspectives and opinions change. But I will say, even just watching your videos, my perspective has kind of, well, in general, I, I can see a lot of points from both sides, but has changed. And I'm like, oh, like those oh moments when I watch your videos, because you'll have, for some of them, um, you'll have like a statement that's common or something that someone says, and then you'll like flip it to something that, flip the words around. So it states a different thing. I can't remember what one was like the first one I saw about that, but in like different things, whether it be like in how people appear or like perpetrators versus victims and how you word things and what it the impact it has and every single time I had like an oh like aha moment on me I was like wow like 
it's not something that's like crazy revolutionary because it's literally just wording. Mm -hmm. It kind of means the same thing, just in a worded differently. But it, I don't know, it got the point across to me who like, I've done a lot of work. I went to the Women's March. My mom makes me very aware of situations and like the realities. Um, but even with that, like I still had those moments. So it's kind of crazy. And it's cool to see like, also, since I had like followed your account and see how much other, many other people have, have followed as well, kind of realizing those small things that we don't realize are kind of sexist or what have you, but are in like different ways and frames uh, of looking at it, which is, <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, for that. I really appreciate it. That's why I was like, this is an important topic. I mean, we talked about, Kenny and I talked about it or have talked about different forms of um, kind of the patriarchy or like stigmas around, you know, you know men and women on a couple of different podcasts now, but we've never had like a podcast specific kind of to it. So I think this is great. I think it helps people kind of understand the complexities of it. We were saying beginning it's very, people view it um, or at least mainstream media shows it in a very black and white context. Mm -hmm. But um, hopefully as we go on and we talk about all these different topics that fall under this category, we are able to see how truly complex and gray this issue is and how you know, not everything unfortunately is as clear as we would like. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Um, and I'm really glad that my account reached you. Um, I think by joining TikTok, I was deliberately targeting Gen Z. Um, wow. the, the next generation, um, and I feel, I feel a grave sense of remorse in a way that we didn't do a good enough job that we're handing to you guys a world that is completely broken. Um, it's, it's a completely divided world um, by gender, um, by race. Um, and it's a lot of the burden and responsibility, a civic duty falls on the Gen Z to make this world a better place. Um, so I'm really glad that it reached you guys. Um, and you brought up another really good point um, about wording. Wording is everything. Um, that's one thing that I've realized throughout my studies. The way you talk about things shapes the entire culture. And that's, that, that's, that, is, that is at the crux of how people think about this, how people register these phenomena around gender issues. Um, so I think you're referring to the video where I talked about uh, male violence against women is not a women's issue because it's not. The, the reason why male violence against women is an issue is because too many men perpetrate, tolerate, enable those behaviors. Right. But yet, like we register it as women's issues. So we're endlessly focusing on how can women do better? Like how can women be not mistreated or like how can women recover after, after the fact? So this is, not as, this is not a prevention effort, right? Because right. women are consistently trying to recover aftermath of the male violence. So, well, yeah, because we're not focusing on the aggressors. So we're inherently very afraid as a culture to call out the aggressors. Um, so like, even if you, if like, even when you look at sexual assault data, we know how many women get raped, get sexually assaulted, harassed. We have no idea how many men actually commit these crimes. 
right? So with this not all men phenomenon is like, yeah, it's kind of understand. It's frustrating, but it is understandable because we have very little understanding of how many men actually commit these crimes. So of course, men are going to say not all men and women are going to have to have this endless conversations about, but it's enough men. Oh, well, then show us, show me the data. So it's like we, we, we get into the cycle and, and that's why wording is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason why all of this is so evil and this is, this is the function of patriarchy is patriarchy does this. They hide, the, they, and like I get really frustrated whenever, like whenever I talk about this because patriarchy is so cunning. It's, it's, just, it's just very, it's a very smart oppression. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's why to fight patriarchy, we have to think critically because patriarchy depends on us not thinking, right? So like, if we don't think, oh, like male violence against women is violence against women. So yeah, yeah, let's focus on women, right? So you have to like think critically about like what that, what that statement actually means. Like it's not violence against women, it's male violence against women. So let's focus on male. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's like it, we like we have to think critically and we have to have these dialogues and like conversations and make each other really, really, really uncomfortable. Um, and which is culturally we're inherently afraid to do. So that's why feminism for a lot of people are not a very popular thing to support. Right. Because yeah. it puts you in a place that you're not you have to actually think. And it's like how many people want to do that, actually? Or people are too focused on like the culture that happens and then they develop this kind of resentment and this, they basically create the culture within the woman, I guess. Um, you see it, you say, you see men have a security already complex, not like, and not all men, we're not talking at all, we're talking in general, there's this male security already complex that happens. And then you see with specific groups of uh, feminism that cause this like, female superiority kind of complex but in a way that causes hatred towards men and it just kind of gets this hatred against hatred does just not solve the problem but if you were things I think it comes down to wording and wording can change what kind of whether you're that kind of uh feminist that kind of has technically is not a feminist but you know has grown through the years versus the one that kind of like you are that wants equality for everyone and wants that kind of everyone to be on the same page for everything. And so wording, I mean, like you really, again, hit on the thing, uh, on the nail, which I, again, had not realized till that video, I think it was that one about um, wording tells you and kind of how to start the conversation or how to solve the problem because the wording, the first one I think you, the, that you talked about was like, yeah, the, uh, women, violence against women, there we go. Um, That tells you to address the problem in kind of a semi-vague like general context versus male violence against women. That's a little more specific. That tells you exactly kind of how to address the problem and how to go about talking about it a little more so than more of a general context. So those are the kind of things that (laughs) I was talking about earlier, like that, you know, I never saw kind of issue necessarily with I mean, like I saw issue with, but like not to, not in that context, I guess. So when you talk about like the Violence Against Women's Act, which I think was the example maybe, and one of the later ones in reference to that TikTok, um, 
I never, I was like, oh, like that's, that sounds great. Like that, like an act, but then you pointed that out. I was like, oh, well, like maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that act does need to like be rephrased in order to address a problem more specifically. And yes, maybe violence um, occurs for other people, but if you're going to highlight violence against women specifically in an act and not include, you know, the men. And so that means you're addressing a specific problem. You might as well address who the majority of people are, uh, who the predators within this instance or perpetrators are against those women to really make it clear to everybody what that act or and specifically is addressing and the problem. Uh, just yeah. transparency, I guess. Yeah, and also like, I think it's, uh, I think as, I think we are doing you guys, Gen Z, a disservice. I think it's pretty deceptive um, for us to tell you that there is a phenomenon called violence against women. That's, I think that's inherently misguiding because the phenomenon is men's violence against women. Um, and not to tell you guys that straight up, I think it's, I think it's deceptive. Um, and I don't want you, I don't want people thinking that women are just like going out magically getting raped. Like that's not right. It's, and it, media has really sensationalized, you know, some of these really egregious rapists that we see on the news. And that gets really confusing because how we perceive it, if we don't think is, oh, there is a subset of men who rape, harass, and assault women, but not all men do that. Well, but the thing is, when you actually look at the data, the men who commit these crimes are average everyday men. The most common form of rape is yeah, rape. usually your like friend or someone yeah, you know, acquaintance rape which is crazy and exactly so it's these types of conversations need to happen because that what gets down to is a rape culture yeah. these are just how boys have been manufactured so not engaging in that i think is deceptive and yeah. cowardice um but yeah i, I really oh sorry i just have um, a side point okay. to bring up real quick um, you pointed out something or about like the, the type of men. And it just reminded me of like, I, it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's like maybe propaganda might be a big, uh, or a loaded term to use for it, but you know, something of that sense, but on a lesser scale, uh, that I don't know if it's just specific to American culture and what we've been taught by uh, mainstream media and like our teachers and whatnot, but you see it a lot growing up, um, not specific to um, violence against women and that happens more, or at least the kind we're talking about that kind of happens later in life, maybe your uh, middle school or teen years, but in terms of like child predators or, or like people that child traffickers, you hear a lot of um, like the whole white van. I don't know if you remember uh, wherever, and maybe if your uh, community told you growing up, like watch out for the white vans or like the people, mm-hmm. the strangers. It's like targeting the strangers when you have to re- recognize that the strangers aren't the ones that are exactly. at mass creating the problem. It's your your neighbor or the person you may know that is the person that ends up taking your child away from you. Exactly. So that's kind of a side note that connects a kind of similar theme if that may not be as clear as it needs to be. Anyway, <laughs> Kenya? Um, I was going to say, I really like how you mentioned that the patriarchy is so like skillfully planned. Like it is, I mean, with like any 
any group that holds the majority is so skillfully figuring out ways to constantly suppress the minority in whatever aspect. Um, and so, like you said, the only way to really fight that is to educate properly so that we are able to intellectually fight this issue. Because if we don't know, we simply don't know, we cannot put a, a fight because they're so much smarter. Um, and so you also mentioned just the rape culture and how, like how have, has it kind of evolved over the years to become what it is today? Yeah, so that's why, um, that's why, that's why the issue of accountability is very tricky with the Me Too. Um, because back in the days before the term sexual harassment was even coined, being sexually harassed for women was just a way of life. A lot of women, like domestic violence, sexual violence, was just how women live their lives, right? So even, even when we were getting our rights to vote, even before, even as we were becoming full citizens, the way of life was we were beaten, like we were abused, like we were not being treated equally in our domestic sphere uh, because it was considered a king's castle, right? Um, so it's, the problem with that is a lot of women have this, have this, um, imagine being told to consider a possibility that your grandfather possibly have abused women, right? That's a very painful conception. You can't even like, you don't want you don't even want to go there because your grandfather is your grandfather. So a lot of women, this is like, a, this is a generational, right? This is a generational struggle um, because before as it, as it evolved, like more women, the culture has evolved in a way that women are, fully owning their bodies, right? So a lot of women are coming to a realization, like, wait a minute, that wasn't okay. Remember 10 years ago, like that happened and that was not okay. Like he shouldn't have touched me that way, right? But back in 10 years, like back 10 years ago, who told you, right? Who told you that that wasn't okay? It just was a socially acceptable norm. So our threshold for discomfort was at a different level. So now that it has been, it has been elevating to a level of normal, a lot of women are speaking out and speaking forward. And that's why men are like, oh my God, like, what did I do? And it's like, well, yeah. Like like that, going from zero to a hundred when in the conversation. Exactly. Of. And it's a, it's a and, but, and, and this is not to say that these men were evil, right? This is to say, this is a statement of the culture and cultural mm -hmm. revolution. Um, and that's why when men personalize these things, it's just, it's not helpful because right, that's right. not what we're talking about. It's, we, we can't, right. So it's, so that's why, that's why this, this is very frustrating because everyone needs to realize that we're talking about a cultural revolution. We're talking about a systemic and structural way of, way of being and how, how it has evolved. Um, so yeah, so it's, um, Rape culture was very severe. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's still a problem. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, right? It's it's. I don't. I think it's gonna take my like my honest opinion is I think it's gonna take two hundred years for rape culture to be right. Like it's it like just you know no like zero exception. But Brett Kavanaugh, for example, like everybody. I mean, I think a lot of people know that he did it. Right? He assaulted Dr. Ford. 
the reason why we believe that is not because we think Kavana is like some type of like a monster, like who lived outside of a civil civilized world. It's because that was the culture then. Mm -hmm. And he was a very socially accepted and, you know, like somebody who adopted to the culture very well back then. So it's the evidence is right. Like he probably did it. And because we don't have the culture of culture of accountability and restoration, he was really defensive. And Dr. Ford was getting attacked. Right. So yeah. I think that that was a huge statement of like what we see on an individual level too. Yeah. Between men and women. For that particular um, thing, I think another reason why was I think at least from uh, I can't can't speak to how many men um, also believed her because obviously I, I'm not in that circle. So I don't know what they were talking about. But at least for her, it's like one of those things that if a woman comes I, I, in this specific instance, because a lot of these situations are very uh, like case to case type of situation. Um, and I say that because uh, some people might get mad listening to this because I said, oh, it's case by case. But um, historically, there has been instances where uh, white women, especially in a segregated type of South, have, despite the fact that it didn't happen mm -hmm. or anything, have come yeah. forward and claimed rape from uh, African-American that came in a store or nearby them. And it may be just because they were having, maybe they were having consensual, consensual, sorry, <laughs> relations, but maybe the, it's not an accepted thing. And if someone finds out, that's what they're gonna go to. And so a lot of people got tried that way. And there's other instances of that throughout history, but that's why I say it's a case to case basis. It's not, and that's also very individual in itself. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, uh, going back to the specific case, she pretty much went testified. She went and she described it in detail. That's how you even more so like validifies, is that the term, um, the situation and that it is. And to go on to what you were saying about culture at the time and how that also adds to the fact that it might, it is believable is uh, Brett Kavanaugh would be what you would call nowadays kind of like a frat boy. Mm -hmm. Um and in that culture, I mean, they had threats then too, but that's why I say this. Uh, in that culture, you see a lot of this rape culture, I would say, and that, oh, well, girls all must want that. And it's kind of like that kind of minded. And it's okay if that happens at a party. And that's where you get into kind of like date rape drugs a little more so and stuff like that. And so it's, there's a num number of factors when I, uh, we talk about that, that, you know, and then going back to your first point about, um, the harsh conversations about uh, family members or friends uh, about, you know, uh, sexual assault or even like uh, rape in instances um, and whether or not they've committed it um, because of how long ago and the kind of culture that it may seem like it was not something to them. Um, to add to that, it's one of those things where like, even though that you're uh, I'm not saying that this is again, like I'm it's not all people, but even if your uh, family member said they haven't done, uh, raped anybody, uh, they may not be realizing that, or you may not realize there's also such a thing as called a marital rape. Mm. You can still be raped within a marriage yep. and you may not talk about it. The female or the male, whatever counterpart within marriage may not talk about it and talk about how they're uncomfortable because of society's expectations that once you're, you know, married, you should 
want each other all the time and it should be each other's owns each other's bodies you know but you know that may be the incidence where he may be contributing to that statistic without and even knowing because that is a thing and people don't re realize that that still counts i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah uh, just to add there because <laughs> um, that's something that i myself learned um about I mean, it seems like a simple con uh, concept uh, in hindsight, but when I was watching one of those YouTube videos before that kind of went over kind of definitions of different things related to um, gender-based violence and stuff like that, that was one of those definitions they went over. And I was like, huh, like, you're right. Like that can, just cause you're in a marriage or something that doesn't erase whatever that may be, you know? Yeah, so you brought up a very important point earlier, um, talking about the cases of the Scott Burroughs boys or Emmett Till. Um, yeah. So that's why feminism, well, I understand feminism has been traditionally white and that's another whole different conversation, okay, I feel like. Yeah. But the, re the, the intersectional feminism that I am committed to is not just about empowering women, right? Like it's, it's, is dismantling different nexus of power and making sure that we reach equality for everyone. So those, those women, like the Emmett Till case, it's a really messed up case, right? And in that case, what the woman was doing too was she knew that her social location was higher than a black boy. So she blamed it down, right? So that's all function of your patriarchy combined with race, like white supremacy. And that's what we're up against. Right, like two very cunning mechanisms of like of by which like people are getting like oppressed endlessly, right? Like so, you know, patriarchy combined with capitalism, like like uh, patriarchy combined with white supremacy, like they produce all these like really messed up cases, right? And like we we need to start talking about this. So so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, and really quickly, because um, come to think of it, I don't think we address this. Or give like a quick little definition about what, um, could you give us a quick little definition of what patriarchy is, just in case uh, people may interpret what it actually is in different ways. Like, for example, before this, so my understanding of patriarchy has always been like, um, kind of like, it can be seen in two different ways, like either the male head of the family or the way that, you know, male culture and stuff like that perpetrates and stuff like that throughout society. But uh, so we were talking and wording, I'll give this example. Um, I was like, oh, like, why did you put gender in front of patriarchy uh, to Kenya? I was like, uh, that's kind of redundant, don't you think? And she's like, oh, well, no, there's different kinds of patriarchy, right? Isn't there a patriarchy within like, uh, like religion or what have you? So um, could you give us a little definition and kind of clear up? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess when I'm referring to patriarchy, I'm referring to um, prioritization of male um, over every other every other gender. Um, so making female body problematic, right? Making female brain problematic, like making this sort of conversation problematic because men has to, like men have to be prioritized, and there is not a single man in this room, right? Like so, it's 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 making sure that men have authority over a lot of things. They're, they are the head of, they have to be the most, they have to be the people who know everything, right? So it's, it's assuming that men are superior in every single way, 
and that allows for male domination, male control over women's body, like women's, the way women live. Um, so that's, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about patriarchy. So I guess for me, that encompasses everything that happens um, that is skewed against women, either in the household, um, either at the workplace, on the streets. In healthcare. Uh, yep. Healthcare. Yeah. Another great thing. In the legal field, right? In the courts. So that's, that's kind of what I, what I refer to when I talk about patriarchy. Okay. Um, and just to give an example before we get kind of into how the patriarchy more specifically evolved throughout the years, um, because we just gave kind of some broad examples, but um, you may not recognize some, patri uh, some of the effects of the patriarchy, I guess you could say, that are kind of more like low key and under the rug than you would realize. So for example, um, I've talked about this before, I'm majoring in exercise and sports science. Um, exercise and sports science is a relatively new field within the past like 20 or so years. It's a subset of biology. Um, that being said, um, despite the fact that it's relatively new, um, that doesn't exclude it. The field is predominantly of males and a lot of the research and studies that uh, come out and that influence how healthcare is uh, addressed in terms of if you're underweight or obese and your doctor needs to address it in different studies and stuff like that, or your personal trainer addresses whatever your goals may be, are done on males, all males. Yep. They're all male studies. The percentage of female studies are all only female or some female, and even in the studies that I've seen that have female, it's a smaller group of female than male, are extremely limited and hard to find. Like you just don't see it. And then you don't, you even see less of, and if not at all, studies of females and how their body works and, you know, exercise and everything like that impacts while they're on their period and, or there may not be on their period, you know, lots of influence, but because the, the field's male dominated, inadvertently, they're not reckon, uh, the recognition and the kind of disbursement of research and what you're looking into is limited. And, you know, we're both humans, male and female. Yes, of course. But uh, our bodies do function in completely different ways a lot yeah. uh, in a lot of different aspects of life. So that's why just to highlight the importance in, of including research in both and how the patriarchy, you don't recognize it at first and you don't go, wait a minute, but can influence different fields in such a low key way. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys had any like more low key ways that it has um, kind of influence or you see it and outside of like the gender pay gap and stuff like that that you don't recognize. Yeah, that. so that's another great example, right? So patriarchy really wants us to believe that humanity is men, right? Like male body is the default and female body is problematic. So menstruation is problematic. So that's why we got to pay for our tampons. Even, even when half the population go through this, this is the natural bodily function for the half of the population. But we and there's the pink it. tax. Sorry to add that really in. <laughs> that gets me so mad. It's like, if I were in the position I was, I would be screwed, you know? Yep. So female pain is not as taken, ser not, not taken as seriously, right? A lot, of, a lot of doctors tend to dismiss female complaints and female grievances. 
to add yeah. upon that, this is kind of sub, this is not really specific to patriarchy. This is more specific to the racial, racial issue that exists in America and everywhere. But on top of people not taking females' pain seriously, I know you gave some examples on your TikTok about, uh, I think it was like uh, someone dying from like, or maybe I like read that somewhere else, I'm not sure, from complaining about pain and then they found out after she died and her doctors yeah yeah cervical cancer I think it was yep uh, um in terms of racial people of color yep doctors yep. don't take our pain at all for Latinas and Latinos they call it hysteria uh, hysterica or hysteria rather hysteria uh, yeah and that oh like I yeah yeah like that kind of thing and they don't address it that way but uh, they may and then you see it how they have they created these differentials based off of a singular study done like like literally in the 60s from one scientist not even peer-reviewed that created this like uh pain differential for people of color compared to white people mm -hmm. um but that's a side note in a different realm but just to add upon you know so women any women uh that are poc you know it's difficult <laughs> i hate to say but it's difficult to get uh respect even though you know we may think we are but for specific people it can be super harsh anyway yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i mean female bodies um are create females female bodies are not the problem right it's a how patriarchy has constructed female bodies to be problem and like we're registering female bodies as like full of pain and full of inconveniences like it causes people to be inconvenient so doctors dismiss it right? So, oh, like you have, you have menstruation pain, like just, it's just a pain. It's just, it'll go away. Well, well, but in fact, like she had a, she had a pelvic cancer, like, excuse me, like diagnose it really well. Like, right. So like these, and those cases are not isolated cases, right? It's systemic and structural and it's way too many cases. Right. And so, I mean, you look at a restroom and you see a line for female restrooms and I go like, wow, that's like really dangerous. And why? Because the people who constructed this building were men. Right? With the long so, hallways too. Those always scare me when there's like long hallways to the bathroom and places. Yeah. Right. And then, but in the bathrooms are always right across from each other outside of those. I'm like, I don't want to go down those long hallways by myself. So I make my dad come with me because I'm not about to get screwed. Yep. yep. And also that's unhealthy for women because we're more prone to UTI right? Like if we hold our pee, right? Like it's like, so it's women do different things in the restroom. And that's not to say that women are in there for vanity, right? Like we go through our bodily function that we have to take care of. Like we take care of babies, like we carry more clothes because our bodily temperature is different from men, right? So like men have designed this building on male data that they have gathered because why? Women's place was at home. What were you doing in that building? Mm. Right? So it's all of this is constructed in a way to keep women at home. And even at home, we're not safe, right? Because we're getting abused by our uncle, right? So it's, it's that, it's, it's that it's women are problematic. Like in patriarchy, women are problematic, right? So street harassment, like it's, it's another function of patriarchy just being like, well, like what, 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 what the hell were you doing at, on the streets? You were supposed to be at home. Right. So that's why fighting against this like sexual harassment, like harassment at, at workplace, at school is, is just all very important because we need to make sure that women's place is not at home. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm jumping across a couple topics here, but you just reminded me um, when you pointed it out. And after I said like, oh, I like take my dad when I'm like out like at the supermarket or whatever, because he's the one that usually does it with us, um, um, with me because of the long hallway. And I don't, it's kind of scary, especially when it's like empty or like the lights and stuff like that. It's kind of like, anyway, why we may go in groups. I like never really recognize. I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. We just go in groups and like guys always wonder about that. But come to think of it, you know, it could be from like years of just like conditioning to go with each other so that we may be stronger in a pack Absolutely. in a sense. That's um, so interesting. Was a, yeah. Right? Like, I didn't think about that until- Because you never think, it's just like, oh, you like, want to come to the bathroom, but we like, never think about it. At bare minimum, we always bring at least one person and I just never, uh-huh. it never dawned on me. You also mentioned kind of like the menstruation and the pains and like how we were kind of always as females, we kind of associate it in a negative light in ourselves. Like it's kind of like this dreaded time of month, which um, it's it's kind of coming back slowly. But my other thought was um, kind of dreaded time of month that we've been kind of conditioned and I guess in a way to think of it as in a negative light, as if it makes us less Mm -hmm. or how we like, you also mentioned this. I'm like referencing a lot. So go look at her account. Wait, wait, what I'm okay. talking Before about. you jump too far. Um, yeah. Uh, how we hide like our like uh, feminine products if we go to the mm-hmm. bathroom instead of just carrying it out in the open or like the uncomfortable, like when you raise your hand and if your teacher says, your male teacher says no, and you're like, you don't, you'll feel uncomfortable or embarrassed to say as if it's something to be embarrassed about, like I need to go or I'm going to bleed through my fucking plants, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, don't use that language, but <laughs> in a classroom setting, but yeah, I, it's interesting to see, um, how things like are very like spider webby, to be honest. Um, when know. you said, um, like the, just the concept of like, even when like we're on our period, like we still have to like function in daily life. And I know like, it's so interesting because some guys are like, how do you do it? But we don't really have a choice. But it reminds me of a TED talk that I was listening to, obviously, <laughs> um, that it was a female CEO and she was talking about how she had all this pressure about running her company and leading her company that she never took time for herself. And so she um, ended up, she got pregnant. She had a, she got pregnant, had her baby, came back to work like two weeks later, cause there was like some big like plan that was coming up and she had to do it. And then it was just like taking a toll on her, but she didn't really have time to stop and like really spend time with her child um, or recover. And then she got pregnant again. And then she was at a presentation, went to the bathroom, had a miscarriage, like saw the, sorry if this is true, but like saw the child, like, and then she had like, there's not, she didn't have that time. So she, Oh my God. It's like so bad to say, but basically she like had her miscarriage while she was giving a presentation and then walked back out on stage and like, just like kept kept going. And guys, like she said that she had to, um, she had to do that simply because like for a female to say, I need to take a step back and like take care of my child or take care of myself is seen as, Oh, you know, even though that's, what should be happening they're afraid that the, we'll lose our jobs or something or, or we'll like lose our credit that we've built up that we've worked so hard to build for ourselves when men she, like can just skip a conference because like they don't 
it's they don't aren't they aren't in like threat or it's not a threat that they might lose their position or lose yeah. what they worked so hard to get. That's like a cultural thing. I think we have to, I don't know necessarily if we're like, if we've started that shift yet, but it's something that I read a book a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what it was, but kind of talked about like um, women and men in terms of the workplace and childcare as a result and how a lot of men in positions of power within the workplace or like CEOs or whatever, VPs don't recognize the importance of like having a childcare option for some mothers or for fathers that are maybe single. Or like breastfeeding or something. Yeah. Within the building or giving that option for the the new parents, because, you know, reality is mothers are, freaking. I, sometimes I hate to give my mom credit. I hate to say it. I don't like to say that because it sounds bad, but I hate to give her credit, but she's hardworking, like incredible, like the amount of things that mothers get done and have been getting done for years because of the patriarchy and the expectations that they're the main person to like, kind of, it was, it's more of a 75, like, you know, versus a 90% that they have to do now, but, uh, or 75 that they have to do now, but versus the 90% in the past, but still like the majority is expectation is on the mothers on top of work, on top of groceries, on top of, of making dinner potentially. Um, it's like, they're, they're freaking hardworking. Like if anyone deserves to keep their job over and over a chat, it's the mother, you know, like, you know, she'll get it done and efficiently and everything like that. Um, but you don't have, she may not have childcare. She may be a single mother, you know, and all those things. And so it's like, I think the cultural shift has to go to kind of like what you're saying in Kenya, there needs to be a recognition that, that that's okay. And that, that having, the responsibility shared is also okay. So the men, I, I'm not sure if how much of this is uh, applicable, right? At least in this culture that we have right now, but at least in the past, I know men did not have, you know, paid childcare leave. Well, we don't even really have paid childcare leave yep. now, but that's beside the point. Men don't have childcare leave um, in comparison to their women counterparts. And so it's like understanding that that should be the case. Men and women should both have paid childcare leave and not for two weeks. That's ridiculous. Like the child needs to be, uh, have formed that bond and that doesn't happen in two weeks, you know, especially at such a young age, um, which that bond is important for later in life when it comes to reinforcing values and stuff like that. And, you know, not enforcing the, what people like to deem daddy issues or something like that, you know, that whole, that whole plays into it, but that's you know a side note um you put that in quotations everyone air quotes oh yeah <laughs> i put that in quotations um because you hear that a lot with people um usually you talked about this again keep <laughs> this is so bad um but with the pick me kind of mentality and how that kind of can go inside with uh people say that that comes with daddy issues and again i mean quotations. We, like there's been progress like now paternal leave is actually a thing that like it wasn't a thing but at the same time it's also so complex because there's definitely a fear of feeling of inadequacy if like even if paternal leave is a thing moms like there's pressure from other females or other moms that you should be taking that time off so even if you are in that role or you're the breadwinner for your family and you can't really afford to or just something major is going on you might feel pressure from other females that no, I should be the one still taking it off. So I don't really know how 
that shift can take place where it's, it is, I mean, it's more acceptable now, of course, but I don't know how the shift can completely happen if the kind of pressure is coming from both sides. Well, I think the pressure from the female side, correct me if I'm wrong, that's from, that's a product of patriarchal values and kind of like pressures, right? Like, that's a product of that and that mindset of having to look down or looking down upon others that are not, it may seem minor, but you know, I'm pretty sure that is um, kind of that. Internalized misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're a woman, like you have to subscribe to this role. Like, um, so they're like under capitalism, there's two types of labor, right? Like productive and reproductive. And reproductive labor is a female arena. And in patriarchy, everything female is shameful and not good. And not, it's not, an, it's, it's unimportant. So all things reproductive labor, it's unpaid, right? So child rearing is unpaid. Child, uh, childbirth is unpaid. Domestic labor that women perform. So doing chores in the household, like it's unpaid. So everything, everything, everything reproductive is, 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 is unimportant. Um, whereas productive labor, right? We don't have maximum wage, right? It's uncontrolled. Um, we, it's men can go out and you know, like everyone, any. It's it's very it's a very encouraged and desirable task, um, productive labor. So it's 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 shifting the mindset. So it's making those two labor forces equal, like those two labor types equal. So everyone registered as, oh, here's a productive labor that's as important as reproductive labor, right? So no, no women has to go and say, oh, like no woman has to be ashamed of saying, I need to go take care of my kids, right? Because that, that's, that's literally like saying, I need to go do this work, right? right. And yeah. like, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Right. And so like paternity leave here plays a very important role. And that's why I'm like, well, Ivanka Trump is policy around maternal maternal leave. is like completely that's that that's a very revert. Like that's I don't I don't understand. That's very retrograde. Like it's we need to focus on paternal leave, like to balance out this like productive labor and reproductive labor registration that we have internalized. Right. So, yeah, I think paternity leave in the United States is a joke. Um, so, so is, so are a lot of other things. Um, but yeah, can- I don't know if that's how that's the case for other countries. I have an inkling that it's probably not at least in like the Dutch countries. Yeah. Um, but I know at least I can only speak from experience from here and when we've grown up, I think, yeah. Uh, saying that paternal leave is uh, giving that option kind of reinforces and kind of will help shift the, that and make those labor types of labors kind of coincide with each other and be equal um, over time. You brought up, that was another point. These are, that was another TikTok that I had. (laughs) Okay, so she mentioned how uh, about the, there's a minimum wage, but not a, like a maximum wage, which is another, this is another kind of side point, sorry for everyone. And this kind of makes it probably longer. But I mean, you hear a lot now in the news, at least um, talking about billionaires and like uh, taxing them appropriately, which, yeah, awesome. I 100% support, but also getting like the minimum wage up to 15, 
And even then that, that $15 minimum wage hour does not reflect how the economy has grown. So technically that's like kind of low, but that's beside the point also. <laughs> uh, also, it's, that, not, it's not, not an accident, by the way, that we don't see a lot of female billionaires. Yes. The nine to five hour, hour has been, that's another function of paycheck. That's another product of paycheck. Wasn't that, like that, that, did that? Or like, yep. like those hours were designed to specifically interfere with the child rearing hours. Oh, right. Yep. So, yep. So wow. women, that's, that's, that was supposed to prevent women from getting into these jobs. So the tradition continued and that's why we don't see a lot of female billionaires. As long as we think of reproductive labor, labor as a female arena, so therefore problematic and lesser, lesser than, this is, not, this is not going to change, right? So okay. it's, it's, gonna cha- it's gonna require us to shift that frame, like it's shift the way we think about this. Um, so yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. That's another thing I, <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, that's definitely a product, huh? Okay, everyone. So that was a great conversation. Wouldn't you agree? Um, I hope that you will take this opportunity between episodes to follow Evelyn on her social media. So she can be found on Instagram at herspective underscore Evelyn. And I know she also has a TikTok account, but um, unfortunately I am not on TikTok. So I don't know what her handle is for that. So I'm sure you can go to Instagram and you can find her. Um, She posts her TikTok things there and then that will lead you to her. Um, I apologize for not having that information for you. But you can also continue the conversation with us um, on our social media. So we are at um, our youth leadership program is FRM ground up so from the ground up um and that is instagram or you can follow our main page on instagram which is nourish.my.soul you can also find us on facebook both from the ground up and nourish my soul and you can find us on our website nourishmysoul.org you can always feel free to email me directly at alicia a-l-i-c-i-a at nourishmysoul.org if you want to continue the conversation. And we also upload all of our content onto um, YouTube. So you can follow us on our YouTube channel, which is Nourish My Soul, and have the conversation there. And we also are on most major podcast platforms. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to us there. Um, And we look forward to hearing your feedback on this. Uh, I really do hope that it has sparked some interesting thoughts for you. And I can't wait to share with you what the next episode has because it is even better. I promise you. It's incredible. Uh, Bella and Kenya have really stepped up their game and had some really intense conversations. And um, Evelyn was a phenomenal guest and um, I love her thought process and her the way she articulates um, her beliefs and it really gives us a lot to think about. So stay tuned. Meantime, follow Evelyn and I can't wait to continue this conversation with you.